Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by our guest speaker be a blessing to your life and helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. Um, I greet you in the name of Jesus. On behalf of the churches that you support in Spain, um, we started, uh, uh, you've been with us since the beginning. That's 34 years. You stood behind us with prayer and support, and we appreciate that so much. Seven years we were in the Bible school, and then uh, I wrote it on a napkin because the years always change. <laughs> so we've been on the mission field for 34 years, and 27 of those have been in the province of Zamora. Zamora is about the size of Connecticut. It's a little bit smaller than New Jersey, and there were um, no Pentecostal. There were no uh, there there. Well, there was no Assembly of God Church in. Uh, the whole province, and so we were in uh, Thamorda. Sometimes it, uh, it was just Bill and I, and but God said, you are a witness here. And so 27 years later, we have three churches in that province, Assembly of God churches. And so, you know, for us, 27 years sounds like a long time, but for the Lord who's eternal, 27 years is nothing. So we were there uh, after our kids had come back to the States for schooling. We were there um, just having the services, and some people came, uh, little by little, came in. And um, now I'm going to tell you, uh, Sunday morning, uh, our usual Sunday morning, right now, uh, in, in Zamora, they're having their first Sunday uh, Sunday afternoon service. But we start our day at uh, 10 o'clock. We get in the car and go to a town about a half an hour from us, and we have a morning service. And this, I'll tell you a little story about one of the people that uh, now goes there and with his family. His wife was Assembly of God um, in Colombia, Right, she was she she was Assembly of God in Colombia, and she married a Spaniard, and they moved to Spain, and she found our church. Of course, it was like it's on the main street, and she brought her husband with her. At first, she came by herself, but then she brought her husband. And after the service, I said, uh, "Did we scare you?" And uh, he said, "Not at all. I loved it." And he's been there ever since. He's been baptized. They have a, a little baby. And, you know, he, he's a baby of the pandemic, so he always greets us with his elbow. And uh, so that's a, a life that you've invested in. And then recently, about two weeks ago, uh, a lady, well, we had two people that were baptized in water. One was a, a woman from uh, what used to be Russia, but now is Georgia uh, or the Ukraine. I might have it mixed up. <laughs> and then she's Russian. she's Russian. And then uh, the other lady was born in our province, but she moved away. She found a tract uh, thrown down on a street in Valencia and picked it up and went to the church and accepted the Lord. But then she moved to another city and she uh, came, eventually came back to our town. And she came into our church and she started her, her walk off kind of, uh, you know, if you get saved from a tract, it's kind of hard. But when she found our church, she just loved the teaching 
and she wanted to get baptized. And so two weeks ago, she got baptized. And so we were so happy to have found this uh, seed that was planted by a tract that was thrown on the street. So we're, uh, we're praising the Lord, our church in Thamorda. Right now, they're having their first service. We can have 25 people at a time because of COVID. So we had to divide our church, and we have a, a 5 o'clock service, and the, that's usually an hour. And then uh, at 7, there starts another one. So uh, right now, um, because of COVID, we can't all meet together. So it's kind of fun to be here. This is our first service back in the States, and um, we're not wearing masks, and that's a great, <laughs> a great relief to us. And I thank you so much for your prayer support. And... Um, we love you, and we love your pastor, and we thank God for people that stand behind missions because you've invested in lives that you will never meet. I had one verse that I forgot to read that says, how will, there, how will they hear um, unless someone gives them the good news? And so we're privileged to do that on your behalf, and I'd like to thank you so much. In Jesus' name, God bless. It is a, a, a pleasure to be here. I took a, two or three pictures of the board back there, and uh, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for being a missions church and for sending out people, for your vision for the lost, not only here but overseas, and we really appreciate it. I'd like to, uh, I've got my sermon on my telephone, if you don't mind. In Romans chapter 10, verses 11 through 15, which Diane read part of, but, uh, but she didn't know that I was going to be preaching. I, I, I hope you don't mind, but I do like to preach. <laughs> Romans chapter 10, verses 11 through 15. And I'll be using a new King James in case somebody wants to know. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon his name, or call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can we call on him in whom we've not believed? And how shall we believe in him of whom we've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how, shall they, and how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of, the pe- uh, the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. A wonderful promise, some haunting questions, and beautiful feet. The promise here is that the Apostle Paul says that whoever believes in him will be saved. It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter if we've been a drug addict. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't matter if we've been an alcoholic. And you know, another thing is there is no, there is no person that's impossible to reach by the, with the power of God. Because God works in the lives of people. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The promise for salvation is, is for everyone. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's a promise that we have, that everyone... And in the church there in Thamora, we've got people that have been drug dealers, drug uh, uh, abusers, people that have had alcohol problems, people that have been involved in, in prostitution. But God is powerful, and, and he touches people's lives. And it doesn't matter who they are. You know, we have kind of an, uh, an image. I remember before I got saved, in fact, when I got down on my knees, and I was getting ready to, the pastor said, Bill, is, he said, is there any reason why you can't get down on your knees and invite Jesus into your life? And I thought, man, what are my friends going to think? But I was absolutely empty inside. I had no purpose. I had no meaning. And I was afraid. I was afraid to die. And I got down on my knees and, and, I, and I thought, you know, Christians were born good. And I was a bad person. Now, of course, we all know that, well, we should all know that that's, that's not the case. But God, by his grace, he, he saves, he works in, 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 in the, the, the most difficult circumstances. And one of the things we need to remember is that God's power didn't stop when we got saved. Many of us have tremendous testimonies. But as we begin to witness to people and we don't see people respond the way they should, we, we, we begin to think that maybe, maybe the power of God isn't so great. We forget what he did in us and what he has done in us, he can do in other people as well. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 10 through 13, Jesus is in the home of Matthew. He just called Matthew. Matthew, Matthew just came to know Jesus. And Matthew called all of his friends together for a banquet so that they would know Jesus as well. But Jesus was, was criticized by the Pharisees. And when Jesus heard that in, ver, in, in verse, verse 11, or verse 12, when Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a, of a physician. But those who are sick, but those that are sick, that are sick, but go and learn what it means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You know, I've heard people say, "Well, it's because Jesus liked to be with those kind of people, and he didn't like to be with religious people." Well, we're not religious. But one of the things that we have to remember is he went there to call them to repentance. He went, them to, he went there to save them out of the lives that they lived. And we need to take the gospel message to everyone. There's no one that's unreachable with the gospel. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 14 through 16, I love the testimony of Paul. Paul talks about his past. And he, and he shows that what God can do in our lives and what he... Or what we, what he has then in our lives, but also what he can do in the lives of other people. In 1 Timothy 1, 14 through 16, he said, And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which, in, which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief or I am chief. Every time I read that, I say, no, Paul, I am. 
I remember sitting down years ago in, 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 a, in a, we had a men's Bible study and I was sitting down with a, one brother was from, was from El Salvador, another one was from Argentina and, and, and they were retell, telling their past and I thought, man, I thought I was bad. But God, you, know, you don't even know maybe the person you're sitting next to, but God knows that person and God knows where, where he's taken people. From where he's taken people. We aren't what we were, but we aren't what we will be either. And he continues to work. Some of the things drop off easily, but some of the things take a while to, to, to go away. However, for this reason, I obtain mercy that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all long-suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe in him for everlasting life. The Lord uses our example to speak to other people. Wow, if you've been that bad, maybe God could love me too. Our story needs to be told. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Everyone. It doesn't matter what color we are. It doesn't matter what language we speak. As Diane was sharing you, with you, we have... We have Two Russian girls and a Ukrainian girl that are there in church. And they sit in the back of the church. So one of the Russian girls who speaks Spanish pretty well, she can translate for, for, the, for the other women. And uh, as, as, as Diane shared, one of, one of those Russian women gave her life to Christ and was baptized. But it doesn't matter. They can come from a country that is our enemy. And we know that God loves them. The word of God reaches and touches everybody. When, uh, when the, the gospel message got to Antioch for the first time, Antioch is a beautiful church. It's a mission church. It's a church like this church. They sent out missionaries. But... Some men, the, some Jewish men got to Antioch. They would only preach to Jewish men. They had to leave Jerusalem because there was persecution in Jerusalem. And a lot of people think that, that, that God's call in Acts chapter, chapter 1 verse 8, his promise of his power, so that we would take the gospel message to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world, that in, in, in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, the persecution that ensued was to get people to go out and to take the gospel message. But they got to Antioch, and they only talked to the Jews. But some people from, let me see, from, from Phoenicia and, and, and Cyprus got there, from Cyprus and Cyrene, and they spoke to the, Jew, to the Gentiles. And it says the, the hand of God was with them. And he touched lives. God wants us to reach the world that we live in. And in the house of Cornelius, 
we know the story of Cornelius. He had a, he had a vision, and, and you know, he was, a, he was a godly man. He was a God-seeking man, but he didn't know Jesus. He didn't know the full gospel message. And Peter was up, a ways away, Peter was up on the, on the rooftop, and he was getting ready to eat, and all of a sudden he had the vision of, of all of these weird animals that they were not kosher, that were not supposed to be eaten. And he said, no, and a voice said, take and eat. And he said, no, I don't eat that stuff. And God said, what I've cleaned, don't call unclean. And that's a message for all of us. There is no one that can't be reached. There is no one that shouldn't be reached with the gospel. And God said to Cornelius, I want you to go and find Peter. And Peter was up there on, on, on the roof. He was saying, oh, what did that mean? And because he had, he'd had, he had, had been in a trance. He had had this vision of the, of the sheet that was coming down. It was, and it had all of these weird things. For, and God told him to eat them. And he said, I don't. And God said, do. And just as, as that, he was there wondering, what did that mean? The, some of some of Cornelius's people were there, had arrived at that house, and the Holy Spirit said, "There are people that are here for you. Go downstairs and go with them." And so he did. And we know the story. We know he was. He, he started out not a very good way of starting. He said, "Hey, you guys know that I shouldn't even be here." Because, you know, I'm a Jew and you guys are Gentiles. And I, you know that I shouldn't even be in this house. I, you know, I, that's probably not a good way to start a sermon. But it was a work of God. That's what he wanted them to know. It's a work of God. And we can't determine who God calls. We can't determine who, who, who God will save because God chooses and God does the work, but we need to be there to take the gospel message. And he preached, he was preaching, and the Holy Spirit fell, and they said, wow, how could this happen? We don't even know if they're believers. Oh, I guess we do. I guess we do know that they're believers because they're speaking in tongues. They're prophesying, just like when, when, on the day of Pentecost. God did that to show it was a powerful message. And then Peter, in the next chapter of the book of Acts, he had to give an explanation for why he baptized Gentiles. Because they didn't baptize Gentiles unless they made them Jews. And then once they were Jews, then they could, they could, they could become Christians. But God said it's not that way. And all of that happened before they got to Antioch with the gospel message. But God has shown, and God, God himself, Jesus Christ, the, this, in John chapter 4, it said he, he, he needed to pass through Samaria. No, I know it's the quickest route, but the godly people didn't go through Samaria. They went around but he had a divine appointment. 
with a, with a woman that maybe some of us wouldn't even want to talk to. He knew the story. He knew her life. She had been married five times, and the man with whom she lived wasn't even her husband. And she, and, and when, when he said this, uh, said that to, uh, when, when, when she, when Jesus said that to her, she said, you must be a prophet. So where should we worship? Do we do it in Jerusalem or on this mountain? And Jesus said, it doesn't matter where you worship. What matters is how you worship. In spirit and in truth. One of the hard things about pastoring people from both Spain and people from all over the world is you've got some people that have one tradition. Those that are, come from Latin America, they're, they're used to a more boisterous service. They're used to maybe a little hopping and, and jumping, dancing and things like that. And then you've got people from Bulgaria and Russia, and they're, they're pretty calm. And, and we've had to learn you accept everybody. You accept everybody. And that's something that we need to learn. And, and Felipe, Felipe was, or Felipe, Philip, Philip. <laughs> Philip was, was a deacon. He was called on to wait on tables. But because of the persecution, he went to Samaria and he, and he preached the gospel. There was great revival there among the Samaritans. Of course, Jesus had already been there. But then in the middle of a revival, God calls him to go out to the desert. Now, I don't know how you would feel. I'd say, no, I mean, I'm busy here. But it is a little bit like when, when Jesus was, 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 was in Galilee and he went out by himself to pray and they went out looking for him and they said, what are you doing? Everybody's looking for you in town. And Jesus was out seeking God. And I'm sure that Peter and the apostles thought that Jesus was going to turn around and go back into town because there, were, there was a crowd of people wanting, wanting to, to hear from Jesus and wanting to be healed. Jesus said, no, I've got to go other places. Other people need to hear the gospel message. The gospel message is the most important message that, that we have. Paul said that, Everyone can be saved. Everyone that believes in Jesus can be saved. But then he asked, as I said, some very haunting questions. It's like he took a balloon and put a pin to it and popped it. He's talking about the wonderful promise, but then he said, and this is what he said, and how shall they, and how, he said, and how shall they believe in whom they have not heard, and how shall they hear without a preacher? Oh, it begins before that. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed, and how shall they believe in him whom, for whom they have not heard, and how shall they hear without a preacher, and how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those that preach the gospel of peace, that brings, who bring glad tidings 
of good things. How can people call on Jesus and believe in Jesus and be saved unless somebody tells them? When we were getting ready to send our children home, there were only four of us in the church. There were four of us in the church. And I, one day in in prayer, this was before we made that decision, but one day in prayer, I said, God, I, I can't take this anymore. We've passed out hundreds of tracts. We've preached. We've shared the gospel with people. We had teams from all over Spain that, that came and, and helped to help us minister, to help us plant a church. But no one came. No one was saved. And I said, Lord, I thought you called me here. Yeah, I thought you called us here, but I don't see any evidence. Because we like to see evidence. We like to see things happen. That's how we know that God is in it. And I said, Lord, I'm willing to go someplace else. And I'll tell the people I was wrong. I won't say that you sent, me, sent us here and, and we did what we were supposed to do and now it's time to leave. We hadn't done anything. We're willing to go to another part of Spain. We're willing to go to another part of the world. We're willing to return to the United States. I said, Lord, I need to know and I need to know today. And about five minutes later, a man came in. He said, Bill, I'm going to, well, he called me Guillermo, which is what I go by in Spanish. He said, God is going to fill this place. This place is going to fill up. That's about the only thing he said. He left. Now, his name, we know him well. He was our first convert. His name is Angel. In, in Spanish, that's a man's name. We have a daughter-in-law named Angel, but in Spanish, it's a man's name. And God, God has done it. But I remember being up in my office and, and, and thinking, but God, what, what, how can we send our children back to the States to study? Because, you see, we were out in the area where there, were, there, was, there, was, there were no... English-speaking schools, there were no schools that we could send our children to. And God said, I will bless you, and I will bless them. You know, the promises of God are wonderful promises. But one of the problems is you have to wait to see them fulfilled. And many years later, we saw them fulfilled. But the question is, how can they hear? How can they believe unless we tell them? And the answer is, they can't. That's simply the way it is, they can't. Diane mentioned the, the number. We have 514 cities, towns, and villages, and we have 509 of them don't have any gospel witness. How can they hear? How can they hear unless someone tells them? When we're standing up on the on the, on the street preaching, which we haven't been able to do now for a, a year and a half or two years 
because of, of the pandemia or the pandemic. But when, when we're up there preaching, and I, I still, just before we're, or oftentimes when someone begins preaching, they, they begin with this Bible verse in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Wow. What a wonderful promise. It is the only way that people can be saved. I know that sometimes we try to make it as palatable as we can. We try to make it as gentle as we can. But let us never take repentance from the gospel. Let us never adulterate the message that it's necessary for people to leave their past to live their future. It's a problem a lot of people have. They're looking for a Jesus that will fit into their plans. And Jesus wants us to fit into his plans. His plans are much greater than our plans. But sometimes we have a hard time letting go. And we, and we, we come even to the point where we insist that our plans are his plans. And he said quite clearly that it's not always that way. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. And his thoughts are far better than our thoughts. But the gospel, it's the power of God. That is how people are saved. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17 so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How are they going to know? We say they're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. We know that to be true, but how can they believe if they've never heard? Now, I know years ago, it was almost impossible to find a person in the United States of America that had never heard the gospel. That's not the case anymore. I know when we first got to Spain, there was a great knowledge, because Spain is a Catholic nation, there was a great knowledge of the historical Jesus. They didn't know how to come to know, they didn't know how, how, to, how to know him personally. They did not know that of their need to personally make a decision to follow Christ. But everyone needs to hear the gospel message. And... How will the preachers go and tell them without being sent? How will they know? Unless somebody sends them. And when, when, I, when I saw that board up there, I almost started crying. Because you're sending people out. You know, God has to call us. Not everyone is called to go to the, the foreign mission field. I know that. God prepares us beforehand. There, you know, those of us that have served the Lord for a long time, we've looked through the rearview mirror at our life, and we can see moments in our lives when, when God was working. We didn't see God working. We didn't think, it was, we didn't think it, it was even of God what was happening. Maybe we even rebuked the devil for what was happening. But later on, we saw that it was God. 
It was God all the way that led us to the place. Because you see, the, 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 the process is part of God's plan. We think, well, I'm going to grit my teeth and get through this, and then I'm going to get into something better. And God said, no, learn from this situation. Learn from this circumstance. And so God calls us. I still remember years ago, with a great deal of fear and trepidation, I'd been called by, in, you know, in, we were living in St. George, Utah. And I said, Lord, I don't want to live in St. George, Utah. We had to drive like 300 miles to Las Vegas to get to the nearest Bible bookstore. And I said, I can't, you know, because everybody was Mormon. But a voice came to me and said, my son left heaven to come to earth to save you, and you can't live in Utah? You know, God has a way of speaking. And he can say very few words, but what he says goes right to your heart. And I said, I'm sorry, Lord. Wherever you want us. That's where we'll go. If you want us to stay here, that's fine. And within just a couple of weeks, I had a dream in which God called me. And I told Diane, and, and Diane said, well, you know, I don't, I don't know. But, you know she didn't play the piano. <laughs> she does now, but she didn't then. And, and, and she said, but, but, you know, if you feel this God, we'll, we'll do it. So we go up to Northwest College, which is now Northwest University. And I hear Bernard Johnson preaching. I don't know if you ever heard of Bernard Johnson, a missionary evangelist to, to Brazil. He preached to multitudes, beautiful testimonies he shared with us. And I felt God calling us to the, uh, calling us to the mission field. Well, I felt God calling me to the mission field, but I still had to talk to Diane about it. And I still remember she was doing the dishes. And I came up behind her and I said, I said, Diana, I don't know how to tell you this, but I think God is calling us to the mission field. And she said, oh, I know that. When she was going to Sacred Heart in Vineland, they gave her an assignment, everyone an assignment that they had to, to talk about what they would like to do. And she was thinking, she was thinking of missionary, and missionary came to her mind, but what did, they, what, did they, what did they do? And she said, well, they talk about God. They talk about Jesus. And she, she said, ooh, I don't believe in Jesus. But she said, God, if you can make me believe in Jesus, I'll be a missionary. And in 1972, she was traveling around on the West Coast, living in her car, and she needed a place to stay. And so she found out about a place called Shiloh, a bunch of ex-hippies that had gotten saved. And they would let people, travelers, stop for three or four days 
oh, they would hear the gospel many times. And it was the, the last day. They had to ask her three times, did she want to accept Christ? The first time she said no. The second time she said no. But, but she, and then she, she saw light coming from the eyes of one of these people that was there. And she, she just said, you know, if they, in, in herself, she said, if they ask me one more time, I'll say yes. And they did. And she did. She accepted Christ. God works powerful and miraculous ways in our lives. That's what I mean. We're sent by men. We're sent by God. Things that, are, that can't be denied. We, we've seen miraculous things happen that we know that God has sent us. And you know, God has sent us all, not all to the foreign mission field, but I, one of the most, one of the stories I love the most is the story of the man that had a legion of demons and how he was mightily delivered and the, and the, and the townspeople, when they got there, they were frightened and they, and they tried to get rid of him. They said, go, go away, please go away. And Jesus was getting into the boat in this man, this, this man who for the first time had a reason to live, he'd been miraculously delivered. Let me go with you, he said. And Jesus said, no. He began to live like you and, you, you, you and me. He began to live when he met Jesus. But Jesus had other plans for his life. He said, no, you go home and you tell everybody what God has done in your life. God has called some to go. And I'm convinced he's called some to send. But he's called us all to reach our worlds with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to date myself here a little bit. But every time I hear a song by Keith Green, where he says, here I am, here I am, send me. Though there's really not much I can do, let me see if I can find the words. I'm not, not too good at the words. Here, I'm, here am I, send me, though there's really not that much I can do. What I have seems so small, but I want to give it all to you. I don't know how many times I've cried hearing that song. Because none of us will ever be adequate to do what God has called us to do. You're not adequate to reach your neighbor. You're not capable of everything that you, that you would want to do. The Great Commission. Let's go to the Great Commission just for a minute. Matthew 28, 
verse 17. This is a verse I love. Matthew 28, verse 17. I shouldn't love it. I mean, I, I, I should. It's the Bible. But Matthew 28, verse 17. When they saw him, they worshipped him. Oh, but this is, this is what I like. But some doubted. Can you imagine that? And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority on, has been given me in heaven and on earth. Go, there, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. He called people that didn't even believe that he had risen from the dead. And when I read that, I think, Thank you, Lord. That you don't call the perfect people. You don't call the super talented, the super, uh, uh, those with a great, great ability. You call people that will bow down to you and will say, would say, here I am, Lord, send me. Those are the kind of people that he uses to reach their neighbors and their friends. Jesus has put a message in our hearts and in our lives. It's a powerful message. It's a message of salvation for all that believe. But how can they? Unless we tell them. In Spain and in Salem. How can they believe unless we tell them? And I know we've witnessed to people and they haven't turned to Christ. And I know that we aren't all that we need to be. We're not as eloquent as we need to be. We're not as talented as, as we feel like we need to be. Maybe our knowledge isn't what it, it should be. But we need to take the gospel message. I remember years ago, and I'm from Oregon, I admit it, I'm from Oregon. And uh, I do have ancestors that were from New Jersey. That, that, that makes me a little bit better, right? <laughs> but uh, I remember thinking, but Lord, if we go, how will people in Oregon know? How will my friends know the gospel? How will my family know the gospel? I don't know if Diane ever had a feeling like that. I'm sure she, did. she has had that, that feeling. If I go, how can I tell my family? How can I tell my friends? And we've always kind of depended on you. You send us. And at the same time, you're reaching out to South Jersey with the gospel. Uh, I saw on the bulletin here in the foyer please use the tracts that are in the rack to share the message of the gospel with those around you I tell the same I, I, I tell our people the same thing if you don't know what to say give them a tract even if you do know what to say give them a tract 
Because some people will listen a little bit, but if you give them a track, they can, when they're more calm, when they're not busy rebutting what you're trying to say, they can sit down, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Diane shared about the, the, the girl in, in Spain that came to know the Lord through a gospel tract. In, in, in the Basque country in Spain, we have another friend that picked up a gospel tract, and he got saved. Now he's, he's in, in charge of global university there in Spain. And a man, in, a Portuguese man, Portuguese pastor, that was in France, and he picked up a, a tract, and he got saved. Even if you don't know what to say, grab a tract and tell others about Jesus. Could we stand together, please? Lord, we thank you for all you've done in our lives. Diane and I want to thank you for this church. We want to thank you, Lord, for all that you've done to touch our lives and to, and to, and to bring us to know you. And Lord, I pray that you would work in us and through us. Lord, that you would touch lives. Lord, that you would continue to bless this church financially, that you would, and with health, Lord God, that you would continue to make this church grow. Lord, I pray that multitudes would come in because of the gospel message that goes out, the message of hope that goes out from this church. Oh, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would reach out and touch the lives of the lost. I pray, Lord, that you would put your message on the lips and on the tongues of every person who's here. Maybe, maybe, we're, maybe they're not Billy Graham. Maybe they're not uh, Oral Roberts. But, Lord God, they have the power, the power of you, uh, your power in their lives. I pray that you would help them, that you would fill them. Lord God, that you would use them, that your words would flow from their, from their lips as they share your message with others. Lord, I pray that you would call even some that are here to go wherever you want them to go to share the gospel, even if it means going overseas. Lord, I pray that you would help us to make your, your message known in this world in which we live. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We hope you were encouraged and blessed by this week's message. If you would like to know more about Salem First Assembly, you may email us at salemoneassembly at comcast.net. That's Salem, the number one, assembly at comcast.net. Check out our Facebook page at Salem First Assembly or go to our website at salemfirstag.org. We look forward in hearing from you. Join us again next week for a message from our guest speaker.